I'm Josh Boaz. I'm Matt Zucker. There are a lot of podcasts featuring top executives. But what about the next wave of leadership? The makers and the doers. The ones we're all going to work for. We wanted to meet them. Find out their story, how they got to where they are, and what they see coming for everyone. This is a spotlight on those on the way up. This is Rising. Excited to talk today to Matt DiOrio, Assistant Vice President, Head of Global Demand Generation at financial icon MetLife. Before he was marketer side, Matt was agency side, working in account management at T3, BBDO, and Ogilvy, where he worked on iconic brands such as GE, J&J, and Capital One. Matt is attracted to working on big and sometimes scary brand transformations, first working on GE Shift from We Bring Good Things to Life to Imagination and Work, and then, most recently, at MetLife with their complete global brand refresh, Evolving with Snoopy. And Profit was a little humble part of that. So glad to have him on so we can hear about his career choices. Welcome, Matt. Welcome, Matt. Great. Nice to have you guys. Thank you. Cool. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about your your career. We've worked together, but I really don't know your your past about maybe where you started and then what you did and then what you did, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I started at Ogilvy, um, similar Matt. We we've, we have that in, in common there. So right out of college, started out at Ogilvy in their account management department, um, uh, working on craft foods and their beverage line. And so for for me. Um, I was pretty fortunate there because I felt like for somebody right out of college to work on a CPG brand, right, to really start to learn the foundational building blocks of how to build a brand, right? Valprop, positioning, brand strategy, all of that. Um, A quick aside too, for a kid out of college, um, they were up in Tarrytown and um, they had a craft store at their corporate headquarters where you can buy all of their food at cost. And so for somebody in their early 20s, um, I basically lived off of craft cereal uh, for the first few years. So um, so yeah, so, so got my start there. And then um, you know, took an opportunity to move over to BBDO. We obviously have a handful of amazing brands, um, but the one that was most influential for me was GE, uh, helping them with their transition from, you know, from a light bulb company, we bring good things to life, to imagination at work. Uh, you know, and the, and the brand and the work that we did was truly innovative, right? It was highly focused on creative and creativity, looking for new platforms and ways to engage customers. Um, you know, the, the, the thing with them was um, we were doing test and learn before test and learn was even cool, right? That, that was kind of their mantra. Um, so, for example, I remember at the time working with a relatively small startup called Twitter, working on some, some digital advertising with them. Um, uh, and then the, the other great thing there was getting to work on the Olympics. So not just big TV advertising, but digital experiences, as well as at the Olympics, the on-site experiences. So really kind of thinking 360 in terms of how we engage our customers at the Beijing, Vancouver, and London Games. Uh, and you know, the takeaway for, for me there was that was my first taste at working on a truly global brand. Um, how do you not just develop a true global brand and platform, um, but really understanding local needs, local insights, and how do you actually adapt that brand to, to make it super relevant at a local level? Uh, you know, next, I basically, um, I, I kind of wanted to challenge myself from a digital perspective. So I did a bit of digital advertising in my previous roles, but I wanted to truly immerse myself. Uh, so I moved over to T3, uh, again, based in New York, which was a digital first agency, uh, where you know we ran the gamut of you know website design, UX, UI, Martech, uh, 
um, you name it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful I did that because I think it's helping me a lot in my, my current role today. Um, and then lastly, right, where, where I am today at MetLife, um, I knew I always wanted to go over to a client side to get closer to the business. And so an amazing opportunity came up uh, to go over to MetLife and, and help reinvent a 150-year-old brand right? That has used Snoopy for the last 30 plus years as their spokesperson. And so, um, you know, how do we think about reinventing again, a global brand, but also how do we localize that brand to make it super relevant and, and, and modern? So when we talk about demand generation, right, we talk about three key things. One, how do you actually generate leads? So how do you bring leads into the system for sales? How do you then nurture those those leads? And then ultimately, how do you support sales in converting those leads? And so, um, you know, you, you need a great foundation first, right, of, of how to understand what are the right technology, what is the right platforms in order to enable those experiences. How do you build those ideal customer experiences for, for customers to nurture them and then ultimately support them in their selling process? And then when we think about how do we generate leads, that's when, you know, it comes into how do you understand the right mix of the right media channels? How do you optimize for things like cost per lead and cost per acquisition uh, to actually get people into the funnel? And so for me, again, when we talk about relating this to my career, it was, it was, a, it was another learning opportunity for me as well. How do I flex a different muscle to, to really understand um, the technology and platform side of things and mix that with my previous background on from a brand and customer experience perspective. And do you find the position now, is it, is it more kind of like that data and science, like that, you know, that, uh, that right side of the brain, or do you get to flex the, that brand and creative part sometimes as well? <clears throat> yeah, it's a great question. So I think what we always do will hopefully be a mix of art and science. I hope we never get to the day where it's only the, the, the science piece. But I think for me, what's been great is it's, it's challenged me to use that side of the brain, right? So coming from a more brand and, and, and advertising background, now being able to truly better understand how do we actually leverage data? What are the right platforms to enable the experiences that we want to offer? How do we actually deliver the right experiences that way? To your point, it's all built on understanding data and how to use data. And so for me, it's been a great journey and again, another learning experience to, to flex a new muscle for me uh, and build a different skill set. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of where I am today. Hey, with any of those global experiences, were you ever tempted to work somewhere other than New York? Many times, yes. Um, especially in the, 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 the beginning, um, I was traveling probably six months out of the year to different countries around the globe. Uh, yeah. And so... Uh, especially during the time on the Olympics, where we would spend months and months in Beijing or Vancouver and 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 whatnot, and so um, always tempted, um, still always open for it. Um, but um, you know, it's one of those things where I still got to travel and really meet new people, understand different cultures and traditions. And for me, I think that actually helped benefit me to be a better marketer, right? Because I was able to take all those different perspectives from people around the globe and, and influence it in the work that we've done. How did you, you know, in all these you know, kind of pivots, how did you learn along the way? Was it just on the job training? Did you know when you were going to you know, go to MetLife? Did you have to like prepare ahead of time and study global brand marketing? Like what, how did you prepare yourself for, for these career changes? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. So I, I think a couple things, right, right? One, like 
I've always viewed my kind of career path as um, taking calculated risks, right? What is the next thing that I want to do? And what is the next thing that I want to learn? Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm very open. And if I don't know something, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand and say, what do we need to do to, to do that? And so for instance, especially when it came to um, shifting fully over to more of the digital marketing world, um, it was not just on the job training, but it was taking a lot of classes, right? So did a ton of different classes and training and seminars um, to really immerse myself in, in that world. So I felt like I was, I, was, I was able to do really what the job demanded of me. And in a, in a company like MetLife, is there, um, you know, to navigate kind of that, that global part of the business, is, it, you know, is there support systems in place? Like how, does, how do you navigate kind of the, the global aspect of it? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a you know a, a great structure in terms of having a, a global COE working closely with our regional and, and local counterparts, and and so you know it's really making sure that there's clear roles and responsibilities uh, across the different teams, having the right operating model, uh, and for us in the in the global team, it's really about truly being that center of excellence. So how do we work with the teams to to support them where needed, to provide the right resources and best practices. Uh, to help them execute locally. And Matt, can you compare um, agency side to client side from a career development point of view? I've noticed a lot of differences from agency to consultancy. Um, for example, on the agency, I was focused on the work. and consultancy, I'm focused on the work, but also the capability building on the inside, which is, has been new. Yeah, great question. So I think there's a lot of pros and cons to both sides of the world, as I'm sure you guys are very well aware, right? And so I think Look, I, I loved my my time at the agency side. I think it um, it turned me into the marketer who I am today, quite frankly, and taught me a lot of the, the work ethic and what I needed to succeed. I think for for me, the difference on the client side, um, one is I think truly being focused on the ultimate business outcomes, right? So there's so many things that happen behind the scenes to actually get to where we need to go. And so I think um, you know, our partners, our external partners, our ad agencies, consultancies, et cetera, are extremely important, but they tend to be working on one piece of a puzzle, right? And so for me, I view it as we're, we're in control of building the puzzle and how do we get the right SMEs and partners to help us build that puzzle together? And so um, for me, that's super rewarding because at the end of the day, we can see truly tangible results, right? We're, we're responsible and held accountable um, for what success looks like. Um, and so that requires great partnership internally, but it's also, you know, we're responsible for making sure that we have the right partners externally to actually make it happen. And do you think coming from the agency side, do you, do you uh, value agencies more? Like, do you, you reach out to partners more or do you tend to like kind of keep it close to your chest and do the, do the work yourself? Like what's the, uh, yeah, what's good question. I, I think being on that side, right. It, it hopefully makes you a lot more empathetic to what to what they're dealing with and also how to how to work with clients right so um i'm not perfect most I'm, I'm sure most people aren't but at least for me right i think a big part of it is making sure that the the partners that you work with the agencies that you work with um truly understand that this is a partnership right it's this isn't a vendor mentality this is we're in this together and in order to get the best work out of of our partners and the people we need to treat them as equals and so um, whether you're helping us on a strategy project or executing a website, whatever it may be, I think making sure that they feel like they, they're first accountable for the work, just like you are, um, but also that they're a part of that team. 
Hey, for those first choices you made, you did three different agencies, very different agencies, very different types of client categories. How did you decide to move each, each time? The last one sounded deliberate into digital, but were you doing the two years at a time account management thing, or was there something else you were really interested in chasing? Yeah, great question. So um, definitely, I think each move was was pretty deliberate. And I'll, I will say this too, throughout my entire career path, one of the, the through lines here is also following good people. So I feel like I've been very fortunate to have really great bosses over my career. And so a handful of these moves were actually um, previous bosses or, or partners um, that have actually said, hey, there's this great opportunity I know that you're looking to grow your career from a global perspective, right? Have that global experience or that digital experience. Um, and so, so for me, I, I love following people who are great leaders, who are aspirational leaders um, and have a very similar way of thinking to me. And so it's part, I've had kind of a, I want to do this and I want to do that, but also follow really great people along the journey. That's great. And it's flattering too when somebody wants you to follow them. It is. And at the same time, I think you also know what to expect, right, from, from that person as well. So I think there's a set of, there's a, a comfort level there, especially when you're going from, from one job to another, where sometimes there's a lot of unknowns. That's, that's kind of a, uh, a stable piece in, in the mix. And are you deliberate about keeping in touch with former bosses? And I guess now your stage of career, like your former reports, kind of keep that, you know, that network always, always going? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's a little bit trickier this day, these days, right? With uh, with the pandemic uh, over the last year plus, but 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 absolutely. I mean, I think um, a lot of the people that I've worked for and worked uh, with and have reported into me, to me, I think it's super important, right? I know we throw out the word um, mentor or mentorship a lot, right, in in the industry, and so um, I don't know if it's as formal as that, but I think at the end of the day, when you meet good people. Right. To me, it's important to continue to build those relationships and keep those relationships small. Um, one, it's a small industry, as you guys know. <laughs> uh, Matt, as you know, right? We both worked at, at Ogilvy. Um, and two, I think it's great to know that you can, you know, if you need somebody or if you need help or if there's an opportunity, you have a tight group of people that you can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, you know what? I think this is a great situation. Um, you might be interested in it. I, I, I think that like, you know, for, for people our age in you know, our stage of careers, it, it's kind of like becomes more and more natural, right? Keeping those relationships going and you kind of see that there's a lot more like that's the fun part of, of working. Right. But any advice to people just starting out? Because I, I, I noticed the difference. Like they, you know, it's for, for them, maybe it's just they don't know to do it or they're kind of shy to do it. Like. Any advice like those kind of entry or you know kind of you know, early stage professionals on how, how to do this do it authentically in a, in a way that we kind of probably find natural at this point? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think sometimes right that can be a bit intimidating, right? Especially if you're asking maybe somebody that's your boss or more senior to you to be able to you know continue a relationship or have one on ones or whatever it may be. And I think. Look, for, for me, at the end of the day, I think um, when we talk about networking or building your network, um, first, I don't think that means trying to, to reach out to hundreds of people, right? It's okay if it's a small group, a very tight group of people that you can rely on and you can trust. And I think it's okay to be humble, right? And ask them, hey, I'd love to keep this relationship going. Or, hey, I'd love to, to maybe have a, a mentorship model where you know, we can get together every quarter or every couple of months or whatever it may be to, to catch up and, and get some advice. And so I think sometimes people 
want it to be a very formal thing. And when reality, if you actually may be treated a bit more um, casual, right, sometimes it might be a little bit easier for you to ask those questions. But it's nice to declare it, even if it's going to be casual, to at least say, can we stay in touch? Can I ask your advice? Like that is a nice thing to do. Then it's out in the open. I agree. I have a lot of people that I'm very upfront with that I call on a regular basis to say, hey, I need your help. <laughs> I need some advice, right? Uh, none of us are perfect. And I think it's okay to, to ask those questions of people to, to get feedback on what you're doing and, and, and how you're doing. And the and kind of your career path, I mean, you said you kind of take these calculated risks along the way. It sounds like you have a pretty defined plan. How far out do you plan out? Like, do you know the next kind of the next position you want or the next area you want to learn already? Or is it kind of or is it a bit more opportunistic? Yeah, great question. So I'm not one to have like a five or 10 year plan. I think um, for me, those have never worked out, right? I think trying to think that too far ahead um, is typically not good for me, at least, maybe for others. Um, but, I, but I do view things in, in stages, right? So I view it more as kind of stages of my career in terms of where I want to go. Um, what are the, the skills that I need to grow? What, um, especially in my current role at, Mark, at MetLife, from a demand generation perspective, and then how do I look maybe 12, 18, 24 months out to say, what do I want to do next? And quite frankly, what am I passionate about? Right. I think that's the other thing that um, has helped me along the way is, is also kind of looking at what are the opportunities in front of me and can I be passionate about that project? Can I get excited at the end of the day? Um, and so um, that's kind of how I, I, I think about my career and kind of how, how I go from, from one stage to the next. How do you deal with stuff you're not passionate about? <laughs> well, good question. So at a, from a, from a day-to-day work perspective or, or life, Matt, what are we talking about? <laughs> Let's start with day-to-day. <laughs> uh, day-to-day, look, I mean, just because something, um, just because I'm not passionate about something doesn't mean somebody else isn't, right? And so I think uh, it's always super important to understand, especially as in a global role, Um, you're working with a lot of different stakeholders in a lot of different countries. And so I think for, for me, it's always, I always have to remind myself that even if this, if this one particular thing might not be important or relevant for me, it might be super relevant for that other person or super important for them, for whether their day job, their career. Uh, and so I think being compassionate about, um, what other people need and how you can help them is, is important. Any, um, you know, in this kind of COVID, this last COVID year and a half now, any any reflections or any, any changes in your kind of business style or your management style from it? Yeah, for sure. I think um, obviously the pandemic has changed a lot for all of us, right? I think for, for MetLife in particular, our business, right, which is so much focused on face-to-face selling, quite frankly, for a lot of our, our business models. And so I think for, for me, one of the, the big learnings um, in general, but also at MetLife, was um, thinking and working in a more agile format. And I'm not talking about agile with the capital A, right? Like the formal process. But but how do we actually, as a team, um, work quicker, work better together, um, and and make sure at the end of the day um, we're focused on short-term deliverables, right? How do we get to that next two-week deliverable? So instead of looking at it as what's the next three to five-year plan. What do we need to do in the next two weeks and how do we get that done, right? And I think sometimes that helps us um, stay in the moment of what we need to do and how do we actually do it together. 
And as uh, as kind of the pandemic recedes, at least in the U.S., you, you see yourself staying on that kind of cadence, like every you know two weeks at a time. Looking forward. Yeah, I mean, look. So so far, it's it's worked fairly well for us and our team and how we actually operate. And so I, I think to your point, once people start to go back to the office, um, things might shift a uh, shift a little bit. But I think we we've, we've definitely proven that. Um, well, don't get me wrong personal interaction is important and being together is super important in our business. I think we've proven that we can do a lot of our job remotely, right? And so um, for me, I think that notion of how do we actually get a lot of quick wins, right? Not just the big wins, but what are the quick wins on an every couple day or every couple week basis um, also inspires the team, right? Because you feel like you're making progress. You feel like you're winning. You feel like you're achieving something. Um, versus sometimes o- only being focused on that you know, year-end goal or 18 months out. There's a lot of talk right now about people leaving their jobs or thinking about leaving jobs, like really huge numbers of, of shift. And you know, it's a war for talent right now and stuff. Do you have any thoughts for people on their careers about whether or not now is a good or bad time to be switching roles? So we, we've had a lot of conversations about that as well. And uh, you know, I, it's tough because I, I don't know if it's a one-size-fits-all right? So for example, if you're, um, you're a young person in your 20s who's been living in the city cooped up in a studio apartment for the last year and a half, right? You, you, you might be in a very different situation in terms of, I need a change or I need something new versus if you have a family, right? And you've got kids and, and maybe you're living in the suburbs, right? And, and so what does that next career move look like? And so um, for me, I think it's a little tough to kind of generalize, um, you know, an overall view of, well, right now everybody should look for a new job because, you know, things are opening up versus I think it's really a personal, um, personal decision on have I accomplished what I want to accomplish in my current role, right? For, for me, it comes down to, do I feel good about what I've done? Do I see potential, right? In what is upcoming in my current role? Are there opportunities to grow? And if so, great. If not, obviously, right, that's when I think people tend to say, hey, what's next? You know, I think it's it's more than just following money or following a title, because I know sometimes that's that can get in the way and kind of give all of us, quite frankly, blinders. Um, but but if you also take a look at what do I want to do next and how do I grow in the long term, it actually might be more beneficial for you. It's a nice thought too, and also finishing something maybe finishing something you started. It's nice to have a sense of completion as well. Exactly. I, I, there was a discussion about the same topic, Matt, and it was like it was a lot of I think people early career people right now are, are switching jobs because of the, you know like the, an immediate snapshot in time thinking about are they happy now, right? Oh, and things like oh, getting more money right away, getting a new title as like immediate gratification. Whereas if you're longer in your career, you know. Uh, as you've been describing, it's like, oh, there's a, am I getting dignity in my work? Am, do my, you know, am I making impact? It's much longer term things. It's not about this, you know, the the, the snapshot in time. So it's a- exactly. And and look, I, I get it. It's it's sometimes hard, right? When you're maybe beginning your career to think about that and maybe think about the long term. And so, um, obviously, money and titles and those things are important for for everybody. Um, but I think also just being honest with yourself about what are you good at and what do you want to learn and where do you want to go next and what what parts of your skill set do you need to grow right especially as a marketer um if you want to become a cmo one day or if you want to do something else um what are the things that you need and i think this ties back to your guys earlier question on 
like mentorship or keeping close with with people right within your community because those are the people that can help you right they can give you those insights if they've already experienced they can provide you some guidance on how to think about things sometimes as a more macro level versus as a more immediate short-term gratification what are th- some things you're keeping uh, your eye on any trends that you want to learn or you know yeah uh, you think will be important in the next next few years yeah, absolutely. So the the big thing for 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 us right now, and I'm sure this is very top of mind for for most marketers, is this whole notion of third party cookies going away, and this whole notion of a cookieless future. Right? I think um, privacy is a concern. There's a lack of trust with brands on what are they doing with your data, and so I think um, the the removal and the eventual disappearance of third party cookies is going to be a challenge. But quite frankly, I actually think it's a huge opportunity, right? I think moving from the dependency on cookies to more consent-driven marketing is, is going to be the future. And so for those brands who own it, I think there's a lot of upside. You know, One, for the customer, it should hopefully provide better customer experiences, more personalized content. And then for the brands, the marketers, right? if, if we do it well, it should ultimately provide a better ROI. Now it's time for my favorite segment, Thank You Notes, in which we ask the guest to name someone and tell us a story about someone that gave him indelible advice or perhaps opened a door for him. Matt, who would you like to thank? So my thank you would go out to Amber Guild. She was my first boss at Ogilvy and then was the person who brought me over to, to T3. Uh, and so for me, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, when you, when you meet special people, when you meet talented leaders, um, you follow them. Right. Um, and so for me, she was always such an amazing leader. She stuck up for her people. She was empathetic um, before empathetic was a buzzword um, and, and truly was, um, you know, that, that T-shaped leader. And so she was a big influence on, on, first of all, hiring me, right, for my first job out of college, but then also being a mentor uh, along, along my career. So I, I owe a lot to her. Nice. Thank you, Amber. Yeah, thank you, Amber. So now it's time for our, our picks, and this could be a, li- a book, a life hack, an app, anything that we think our, our listeners would, would find useful. Uh, Matt, uh, our guest, Matt, do you have a, a pick for us? I do. So um, mine is in the vein of podcasts, actually. Um, yours is fantastic. Um, but so prior to the pandemic, I, um, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and then pandemic hit, and because I wasn't traveling in, in and out of the office as much, my... Uh, my intake slowed. So over the last couple of months, I've started to pick up my my listening of podcasts. So um, one is Inside the Funnel, which is a, another really interesting marketing podcast. Uh, they actually just did a, a really cool one on Cookieless World uh, and and what that what that's going to look like. And so it's around marketing, marketing leadership, uh, which has been great. And then the other one, if I'm allowed to, is uh, I love how I built this. Uh, it is a fantastic podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators, um, their story, right, from the beginning to to building these well-known companies. And for me, it's great because um, it's great to hear stories that are that it's not always easy, right? It's never just a straight line from the beginnings to success. And so, it's always a great reminder for me when I listen to these now well-known people and their brands kind of talk about their humble beginnings and how they got to where they are. That's a great one. We actually just had a guest, uh, Shay Huang, uh, CEO of Boxed, and he had just done an episode of How I Built This. So very cool. I was joking that maybe our episode of Rising would would uh, 
you know, would beat, would beat that one. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if we can, we can track it down. <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, Matt Zucker. Um, my, my pick this week is, um, an app called Descript, like description. And, you know, for rising, we have a very, very expensive, we pay lots of money to have this professionally edited. We've got a whole team in all sorts of markets to do this. But for my amateur podcast called City Ed, I have to do it myself late at night. I finally found an editing app called Descript that lets you import your file and translate it or transcribe it just like you would with Otter or one of the other ones. But the great thing is you can like edit right on the screen. You can edit on the screen and it changes the file right in front of you like you're editing a Word document. So you can remove all those awkward ums and and I can move Josh's jokes around and everything. So I really recommend it. You pay you pay per month, but I'm making the most of it. You can't move my jokes around. <laughs> Perfectly There's so timed. many. Perfectly it's timed. <laughs> it's, just, the right, it's all about timing, man. Um, so my my pick. It's actually there's an audio book and a, a an article. It's kind of whole body work. It's called the Culture Map um, by Aaron Mayer, um, and it's related to a conversation we were just having before about different cultures. And it's about you know it's really about how in each country there's there's so many nuances, and you may have like a high context country culture like uh, Japan or China where there's so much like that's not said and versus where in the US it's a very direct kind of low, low context right and it's you know we say we say it we mean it that's it and then we're in other countries you won't you know yes means no and no means yes and it's a it's really fascinating to to kind of see how everyone kind of fits in it and then even just as business people you may you know you may be in the US but you may be more you know uh, indirect in your way and uh, yeah it's a, it's a kind of pretty pretty interesting. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Matt, thanks again for being on on Rising. So excited to hear about your career. Where can people find you? Thanks again for having me, guys. This this was great. Uh, people can find me on on LinkedIn uh, at Matt Diorio. Uh, I'm there. Feel free to to shoot me an email or connect. I'm happy to to always meet new people and, and find new connections. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. Our theme music was created for us by Movers and Shakers, a really cool creative studio who use original music and dance to bring brands to life. It's such a fresh approach to telling a brand story, and their work really engages emotionally with consumers. In fact, they recently won a Webby. You can watch their videos for Match.com, Little Tykes, and others on their website, MoversShakers.co.